Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another Going Rounds podcast, episode 59 on a Thursday night. If you're here and watching, I appreciate it, especially with NFL going on on Thursday. Regular season's here. Everyone's going to be watching NFL, but that's okay. We keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do we got? Um, I do. Man, I don't even know what to say about last week. Last weekend's event, UFC 293 pay-per-view. I just noticed my picture's a little crooked on that side. Must have got bumped. Anyway, that's going to bug me all night. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I got a lot to talk about when it comes to UFC 293. We got a new champ at middleweight. Um, and of course... If you follow my show, you know that I'm not really a fan of how that outcome was. But it is what it is. That's how things go. And sometimes you just can't help an outcome. And and that's why it's tough to bet on fights. Uh, but the card was entertaining overall for the most part. And I think that it was it was a weird one. It was a weird night. There was a lot of crazy, weird kind of stuff happening. And a lot of just running off at the mouth by a lot of people. Just craziness. And and we should have expected this considering the press conference and the way that went down and the things that were going on during that. But it was a pretty decent card. I enjoyed watching it. The outcome was not what I wanted for the main event, but it is what it is. And, you know, you can't be mad at it. That's the sport. It's crazy, it's unpredictable, and even when you think you know what's going to happen, it winds up not being that. So, that's what makes it interesting, though. That's, that's why the sport is fun. That's why I watch, because it, it keeps you interested, and it makes you think, and it makes you wonder what's going on with people that are fighting throughout the night, you know? Something can happen right before the fight that changes the outcome because they are not themselves. Or something could be going on with their personal life. Anything like that can affect the way that the fight goes down. Some people use it as fuel. Some people use it as a crutch. Some people let it hinder them. No matter what, got to respect all these fighters for going out there and, and fighting regardless of what's happening in the background or in the foreground, or in just in their heads. Sometimes things like that are not able to be controlled. So, yeah, it's kind of a... <laughs> I feel weird. I feel weird. It's not like somebody died. What am I talking about? I, I got this weird, ominous, somber tone in my voice, and <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just upset the way that it turned out. And that's what we're going to talk about first, because... There's a lot to talk about when it comes to 293. The main event is Gerard Adesanya versus Sean Strickland for the middleweight championship. Uh, the middleweight is a crazy division right now, and it wound up going down that path again for Saturday night. So we'll get into that first. And then, of course, we'll get some combat sports news going on. A couple different things happening, some recaps of some other fights that were going on. Uh, over this past week and last weekend. 
And then, of course, we'll go into the preview of Noche UFC. It's the it's a Mexican Independence Day, but you would think with that name and that day happening that this would be happening in Mexico, but it's not. It's happening at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. But they're doing this event to, you know, uh, just to celebrate, acknowledge, whatever you want to call it, Mexican Independence Day. So they're putting on this event with a bunch of Mexican fighters, and it's a pretty decent card. We have a title fight on a free fight night on ESPN+. Plus, So I guess you can't uh, can't complain about that one too much. So if you're here, get ready for that. We'll hit that at the end like normal. Uh, but we're going to get going right away with the UFC 293 recap. Because like I said, I got lots to talk about when it comes to that. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're here. Uh, hit that notification bell so you know when I go live. Do all the good, fun stuff. Follow me on social media. Going Rounds podcast everywhere except for Twitter. Formerly known Twitter. Now X. It's Going Rounds pod. I still haven't changed the logo down there. As uh, you can see, my social media right there. And I have it still has a Twitter logo because it's weird. It's weird to just put an X up there. And to be fair, I've just been lazy and haven't done it. <laughs> I keep forgetting. But I'll get to it at some point in time. So let's get into UFC 293. The recap. Let's talk about everything that happened. And I'm actually going to go backwards from the way I normally go. We're going to go from that main event. Down to uh, the lower fights on the you know lower portions of the card, but yeah, uh, Adesanya versus Strickland. What a crazy night, man! Uh, again, I wasn't expecting things to go this way. It was a lot of uh, a lot of ups and downs, and just unexpected stuff happening throughout the night. A lot of people saying crazy things. And it's just tough. It's tough to even talk overall about what actually went down this night. Now, it's not, obviously, it's not one of those crazy, crazy nights of crazy fights, crazy finishes, and, you know, super exciting stuff. But it's just, it was just such a weird night. Everything seemed off from the get-go. But there were some good fights. So we have to cover that, of course. And we got to acknowledge that and be grateful for that. So, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Yeah, Taitui Vasa versus Alexander Volkov was the co-main event. I just lost left and right here with who I was going for in these fights. Because Taitui Vasa lost. And we'll hit that in a few. But I, I, the, the response from everyone about Israel Adesanya losing this fight against Sean Strickland is crazy man like the the way it's just people just wait to hate you know I, I'm, I'm a hater sometimes too and I and I'll admit that I can't deny it you know Sean Strickland is not even close to a favorite fighter of mine I don't even like the guy and that's just my feeling that's my feeling about him. I don't like the way he handles himself. I don't like the way he carries himself. But I hear a bunch of good stuff about him from a lot of people. And of course, the people that are close to him and the people that know him personally are going to say good things about him because 
Nobody's just going to go out and say, this guy's a piece of shit <laughs> when they see him every day and they hang out with him and talk to him. You're always going to find something in someone that, uh, that that's, I guess, commendable. And, <laughs> but I, 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 I feel like I, I feel like I did change my mind about him a tad. So I guess that's a good thing. That's an upside. I did change my mind about him a little bit because I watched all the embeddeds leading up to the fight. UFC embeddeds, you can catch them on YouTube or on ESPN Plus. Social media, there's always links going around. If you don't watch those, I understand. There's not a whole bunch in there that's completely eye-catching at all times. Some of it's a little boring and slow, especially when you got fighters that English is their second language. It's tough. You got to read... You gotta read subtitles. You have to pay attention. <laughs> That's tough for a lot of people these days. So, but, but watching them, you get an insight into some of the things that you don't get to see otherwise. And that's so, one of the reasons why I've always watched. And I did fall off from watching the Embedded episodes for a little while. Just because, you know, they, they became a little stagnant and stale. Uh, but... Recently, I started watching them again, especially, you know, you get some good information and I get some good content for the podcast. I, I get to learn some things ahead of time before the fights and the lead up. You know, sometimes crazy things happen, like people have to drop out after the ceremonial weigh-ins even. So sometimes you get to see the lead up to that and find out things behind the scenes that are going on. Not always, but sometimes. And that's pretty interesting to me. So watching the embedded episodes, there was a lot of Sean Strickland. And it was almost like foreshadowing. Like they're showing a, a lot about him. You know, when you watch a, like sometimes when you watch a reality TV show, like a game, like the challenge or big brother or something, they edit it in a way where they're not really telling you who's going to go home, but they're definitely telling you who's going to be on the block, you know, to, to maybe get voted out or something like that. I don't know if you watch any of these shows. I, I watch some, I watch the challenge mostly, but, uh, and, and I mean, big brother too, but you know, a lot of it is is just kind of takes up that space and gives you something to watch in the background. But if you pay attention to these shows, you start noticing that they edit them in a way where the people that wind up on the block to get voted out or the, the people that are going to wind up, you know, challenging for their life in the game, they get highlighted throughout the episode. So that was what was kind of weird about these embedded episodes. They're showing a lot about Sean Strickland. Maybe it's because he hasn't really been in one um, so much, especially as the main event. But they're showing him with his girlfriend. They're showing him hiking and sightseeing. And he's like not talking crazy or being an idiot. So shows you a different side to the guy. So I guess I can't. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I can't harp on him too much. For, for that at least I learned a little bit about him and I gained maybe not respect for him but as a human being I, I was able to see a different side of him and I'm not completely heartless I, I get it why people say that he's a good dude and all this stuff uh and he's just troubled in his head so that's why he does a lot of the crazy shit that he does but I mean look at him uh he wore this hat all week it's like a crocodile dundee hat <laughs> uh and, and, and then he's wearing the boots. And, and a lot of people read a lot into this picture because they cut everyone saying he's the every the every man. He's, he's the normal average Joe type dude. He talks like us and acts like us. I think that's a stretch. It's a little outlandish. 
uh, the, some of the things he said, a lot of the things he says, but this is why they say that he's popular because he, I guess a lot of people can relate to the type of person he is. You know, he, he doesn't go out there chasing clout and talking, to, even though some people see it that way because of the things that he says. He, he says things unapologetically and it puts him out in the, in the, in the spotlight a lot of times for good or bad. And so people say that a lot of people relate to when I say people, I'm talking like media and stuff. They say that a lot of people relate to him because he's that type of guy. So, and, and, and this picture was one of the main reasons you'll see this everywhere. One of the main reasons why they say that he's wearing the hat that his, the hat was his way to relate to the Australian people, apparently. And then he's wearing his boots because he's a, you know, he's an everyday guy, I guess. That's what, I don't know. He's just a, a weirdo, I think, sometimes. <laughs> so, but he has his own style. I'm not, you know, it is what it is. But he came away with that belt and he showed some emotion that I had never seen and never thought I'd see coming from him. So I have to give him props on his performance and the fact that he's now the champ, you know. That's just, it wasn't a fluke either. And, and he was... He was dominant in the fight. And what what can be said about his performance is that he was there to fight. And he looked like he was there to fight. And he did his job. And he did it well. So he, he, did, he did something that other people weren't able to do, which is like drop Izzy like he did. Even though he didn't finish him right then, he dropped him in the first. And... The dominance that he showed throughout the fight was impressive. When it comes to his fighting skills, I can't doubt. I can't down on that. And that's what I've always said is I don't like the guy, but he's I, I respect his fighting skills and his talent. Um, but you're never gonna catch me being a Sean Strickland fan. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> but I'm not here to focus on that. I'm here to talk about the fight. You know, a lot of times I do harp on those things a little bit and I, I it gets Sometimes I hear myself say it when when I listen back sometimes and I'm like, ugh, just cut it out, man. But uh, it's just my true feeling and I like to be real about it. But that's that's what it is. And 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 the way the outcome of this fight, I mean, this this picture tells it all. If you're watching, you know, Strickland caught him a lot and, and he touched him a lot and he he jumped on him when he had the chance. He never he didn't finish him. But he showed dominance, and that's uh, it says a lot, and it spoke loudly to everybody. So, like I said, he 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 just didn't give Izzy a chance to get anything in. Even in this picture here, you can see his arm is in front of Izzy's, basically blocking while also trying to get a punch off, and Izzy was just shut down. Sean Strickland shut him down. That's all there is to it. Now, was something going on with Izzy? We don't know. Was uh, was there an injury? Was there something in his head? Uh, he was he was a little bit sidetracked and kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little distracted because his like documentary movie was coming out. And he did appearances for that and stuff. But, you know, people do stuff like that all the time. Michael Bisbing was freaking 
was filming a fucking movie at one point in time during a fight camp and shit. So stuff like that happens. It and it's a matter of how are you still prepared? Are you still preparing properly? What's happening? Is it did something happen to Izzy before the fight that threw him off? Now, of course, there's no excuse for the way that he fought, but was there something going on in the background? Everyone's going to call it an excuse no matter what. So I'm just interested to know what was happening. Why was he not able to do anything? I don't think that Sean Strickland is so talented that Izzy couldn't do anything in return. That was the narrative of the fight. That was the way the fight went down. And you could take that from the from watching that fight. But I don't know that I don't know that it's just because Sean Strickland is better than Izzy overall. So what is what's the reason? I don't know. It's tough, man. Uh but here's the sequence that dropped Izzy in the first round. And it was tough. It was at the end. It was at the end of the first round during I think the last minute. And he just caught him with the cleanest overhand right that that you can that you can find. I mean, if you go back and watch that, there was highlights everywhere, slow mos. I mean, just this picture, this sequence of pictures alone, tell shows you. Look at Izzy's face in the beginning. He he's watching that punch coming at him. Now, obviously, in real time, this is a lot faster. But for him to get to get caught staring down the barrel of that gun and watching the bullet come out and and hit him uh, that is something that you don't see all the time and that is crazy that he didn't have a defense for that uh sometimes you get caught and sometimes it's the worst thing and the worst time to get caught and that's what happened to Izzy here but he he was doing his normal thing in the first round he was Moving around, he was using his footwork. He was showing that he was playing the feeling out game with Sean. And he knew right away coming in because everybody talked about it. He had to have known that Sean Strickland fights differently. He's unique. There's a different way of fighting when you watch Sean Strickland's fights. And just because he lost to Alex Pereira the way he did and Izzy beat Alex doesn't mean that he's just going to turn around and should automatically beat Sean. MMA math doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work at all, actually, because every time you try to break it down that way, you get proven wrong. And if you make bets off of that, you're really going to (laughs) suffer financially because it's not a good way to bet. MMA is tough to bet on as it is because stuff like this happens. You get a night like this where everyone minus 650 uh, some people said it got up to minus 750 for Izzy to win. Um, and he was that big of a favorite. And then Sean Strickland just annihilates him. I mean, from from the jump. If if anything, Izzy won round two because he got dropped. And Sean went in for the kill. Maybe he punched himself out a little bit. But... I think Izzy kind of tried to get on his horse and, and change things after getting dropped like that. Maybe he was still dazed a little bit. I don't know. But he still looked a little better in the second round. And it's arguably he won that round. 
And I say arguably because I heard a lot of people making a case for the fact that Izzy dropped every single round. It was 5-0, John Strickland. I definitely would not say, even after watching it a second time, I definitely wouldn't say that Izzy won more than one round. So that was definitely a 4-1. 4-1 on the scorecards uh, as far as mine would go. Um, I think I would give Izzy the second round for sure. But I can understand why people would say he didn't win a single round. And that's crazy just coming from... That's crazy coming from Israel Adesanya being the champ. uh, The second time champ. uh, Just got his belt back. And... The, the dominating like title reign that he had to say that he basically lost every single round of that fight and looked really amateur <laughs> that's it's bad i mean sean every time sean had the chance he was he was just uh mauling him and and izzy didn't do anything he would circle out and get away for a minute and then fall right back into the same trap where he's not pulling the trigger he's not letting go and sean strickland took full advantage and did what he needed to, which was continue the pressure and take advantage of the openings. And Izzy gave him a lot of them. All he had to do was stalk Izzy and find that opening. And he did a lot of the time. And he landed a lot of these big punches. Um, Adesanya just couldn't, couldn't find Sean. He couldn't find him at all. He was circling left and right, changing stances. Uh, you would think... Hey, at some point in time, he's gonna he's gonna really get a rhythm and and start landing, and he really didn't at all. It, it's a damn shame because you know Izzy can do it, but no one knew that Sean could do this. He looked good in his last fight, um, coming back from that loss. Uh, he he came back and fought Magomedov and or Nurmagomedov, one of the offs, <laughs> but I can't even remember the name. Of the last guy he fought. But he did look good in that fight. It was technically like a tune-up fight for him. And it served him well. Because he came back ready. He came back sharp. And he came back looking like a world beater. And in this moment. he, In the middleweight world. He beat the world. Because <laughs> that world is Israel Adesanya. And has been for quite a while. And he just put that work in on him. Lefts. Rights. Overhands. Uppercuts. Straights jabs hooks he landed everything there's not a lot of kicking uh but you know izzy was trying to kick the legs and and trying to slow sean down but he wasn't successful when it came to that so it was just a tough one man it was tough to watch it was it was tough to see izzy getting hit like this when you know in in his previous fights like against jan blockowitz he it was frustrating to see him get taken down and not be able to get up and not be able to have an answer for that grappling and wrestling that Jan did to overcome him throughout every round, always ending the round on the ground. Uh, and Izzy had no answer for it. So, but then you see him come back and it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. It's that exciting fight. It's those really good strikes. It's, you know, dynamic punches and kicks and everything, everything that you know Izzy for. And and he comes back and shows it all again against other opponents. A big guy like Alex Pereira that knocked him the fuck out multiple times in kickboxing and in MMA. And he comes back with that fantastic 
just counter right after looking like he's hurt against the cage and you know he comes back with that big right hand and knocks out Alex Pereira and then has that insanely viral uh celebration afterwards with the arrows and stuff to do all that and come back and perform like this I know it wasn't that that far in between I mean that fight against Pereira was in uh April May June July August September basically five months now that's a short period of time in between fights oh no oh my uh screen just blacked out on me that was weird uh it's a short that's a short time between fights but you know he's done it before and he's been one of the most he's been one of the most active champions i think he had like actually he is headlined let me look at this because i had a a screenshot he's headlined 236, 243, 248, 253, 259, 263, 271, 276, 281, 287, and since April of 2019. That's crazy. So maybe it just finally caught up to him. But if you if you pay attention to that Alex Pereira fight and you see when the way that he got knocked out in that first fight with Alex, the way he got put up against the cage and he tried circling out and just couldn't get out of there and then he gets caught, that kind of shit is exactly why it's easy to understand what happened in this fight uh if you really break it down and look into it because that's exactly what happened in the second fight too except i think he was he knew what he did in the first fight and he was playing a little rope-a-dope acting like he was back in that same position he did get hit once or twice in there and it was pretty significant uh, against alex in that second fight but he was alert he was aware and he was ready and he had a plan and he he implemented that plan and he was successful so he got that knockout and he did exactly what he was trying to do which was hella impressive 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 so yeah man and then for him but for him to come back and do this it's like he was doing those same things again except he just couldn't get out of it and he couldn't find an opening for those counter strikes of his and that's one of the problems with izzy is he's a counter striker. We've seen it in the past against Anderson Silva. They're both similar in the way that they they counter strike. They wait for that opening when someone's trying to land big punches and they catch them because they're crafty like that. But you know, uh against y'all Romero, it was like a couple of characters in a video game just waiting for somebody to press some buttons. They're both just moving in place and not moving forward. Both of them are waiting to counter the other, and neither one of them strikes at all. So that's just a stalemate, man. And there's nothing you can do about that. Someone has to pull the trigger, and it didn't happen. And Izzy couldn't pull the trigger in this fight either. Sean Strickland got fired up at the end of the fifth round and started screaming at Izzy 
you know, that he needed. Hey, here's your chance. Do what you got to do. Let's go. Fight like a man. Of course, he's saying all kinds of offensive shit and too in the middle of it. But that's Sean Strickland. That's the type of person he is. And, and he knew at that moment that if nothing happened to him to change anything like get knocked out, then he was winning that fight. He knew it. And he got fired up at the end and, and wanted to slug it out. And it didn't happen. Izzy didn't, couldn't pull the trigger again. He walked around aimlessly like a lost puppy and, and didn't know what to do. And it was sad, man. It was sad to watch. It was sad to see. And I mean, these were the scorecards again with Sean up on the top, just fired up screaming. All the cards show four to one Sean Strickland winning. 46, what is it, 46, 49, 46, all the way across, with Sean Strickland being the new middleweight champion of the world, it's crazy, man, uh, everyone gave Izzy the second round, like I said, that was the only round you could give him, because every other round was clear, but it's arguable, because a lot of people, like I said, felt that Izzy lost every single round, so it sucks, man, and then, of course, Izzy loses, and he's got to deal with the bullshit. Um, and I understand why some people feel this way. There is a point to this uh, to this tweet. It says, imagine being champion. It's the last round. You might lose your belt. You're getting taunted. You're down three to one. Your opponent is taunting, leaving himself open. And instead of seizing your chance and fighting back, you keep backing up and running away. Israel Adesanya was broken. That's not how a champion moves. So I agreed. I, I was, I was drawn into this tweet, and this and this graphic because when you're reading this, you're like, "Fuck, that's all true. Fuck, that's true. Ah, shit, that's true too." But then you get to, that's not how a champ moves. Yeah, in the moment, that isn't how a champ moves. But everyone has a bad day. Everyone has an off day, and everyone hits a wall that they can't, they can't get past. So, of course, that's how this game goes, though. That's how this sport is. People are fickle. Uh, they, they'll change their mind in a second. You're the GOAT one second, and then you're a piece of shit loser the next. And, and that sucks. And, of course, there's always haters in the shadows waiting to come out and, and dance on your grave. And that's fucked up. But that's, that's life, too. That's how life goes. You'll have somebody who isn't rooting for you to be successful, rooting for your downfall. And it's a damn shame that people have to do that. Uh, we're all guilty of it at some point in time, whether it's just a thought in your head, hoping that somebody trips and falls on their face, or if it's something you actually verbalize and act on. But I just don't, that's the only part of this tweet I don't agree with, is that that's not how a champion moves. In that moment, it's correct. But in an overall aspect, which is what I read a lot of people saying was, Izzy was never that great. Let's talk about how Israel Adesanya was never great. Look at his schedule. Look at the people he's beat. And I know, I'm talking about this like if Sean Strickland didn't do something that was good. He took advantage of Israel Adesanya having an off day, if that's what it was. Having an injury, if that's what it was. Or having a mental block and not being able to overcome it and snap out of it. If any of that's true... Sean Strickland did what he needed to and did what he was supposed to. Take advantage of that to 
become a world champion. And he did a great job of it. He looked good in the fight all the way through. Uh, that Philly shell type defense that he has, Izzy had no, he had no answer for it. And he, he didn't know what to do with it. And his corner, his corner and his, uh, his corner and his coaches were saying that there was a disconnect. He wasn't implementing any of the, the plans or any of the, any of the strategies that they were trying to get him to do. They, and, and he guaranteed that, uh, um, that if they were to fight next, this, this weekend coming up again, that Izzy would beat him, that those changes would be made. He, he would snap out of it and he could beat him. Is that true? I don't know. It's a tough thing to say, but overall, like I said, I've gone on for like 20 plus minutes on this, <laughs> but that's because I, I, I'm in disbelief too, man. Sean Strickland is not a person I would have ever thought would beat Israel Adesanya like he did. Maybe a flash just crazy catching Izzy and dropping him because we've seen that happen before. But to beat him like this, where the last time, only other time he's ever looked this bad was against Jan Blockowitz when he went up a weight class to try to be a double champ and just got wrestle fucked and out grappled. That he looked bad then. He didn't look great in this in the Silva fight. He definitely didn't look great in the Yoel Romero fight. Um, but this is like one of the few times he looked this bad. So maybe it's the Australia thing. <laughs> it uh oh wow. I totally I that's gonna bug me. I totally fucked up that graphic and did not I did not uh size that correctly. You're going to see a little movement and you're going to see me fixing it because I have to. That's going to bug the hell out of me. <laughs> but uh yeah, there's the Aussie, the Australian thing as well mixed in. There's a couple things mixed in. Australia is known for having crazy upsets. Holly Holm versus uh Ronda Rousey with the crazy head kick in Sydney, Australia. That happened there too. Now Sean Strickland beating Israel Adesanya. Now, Israel Asanya is not from Australia. He's from New Zealand. So there's a little bit of uh, hatred there for him. He was getting booed on his way out. So, you know, there's that. They actually cheered way louder and way harder for Sean Strickland, which is kind of crazy, uh, especially with the type of person that he is. But when it comes down to it, there's also the other things involved, like... Izzy is on the deluxe edition cover of the UFC 5, EA Sports UFC 5 video game. There's always been that video game cover curse. <laughs> People believe it. And more times than none, it seems to make itself true. So there's also the Drake curse. When Drake bets a shit ton of money on you, you almost always wind up losing. So Drake needs to like chill the fuck out and we'll hit that again here in a minute in combat sports news because uh, there's something about Drake in there too. So there's all these things working against Izzy, but none of them, I can't make an excuse for him and I can't make an excuse for that performance. It was piss poor. It sucked. It was upsetting and disturbing and I want to know what happened and I'm sure everyone else does too, whether you love him or hate him. I want to know what happened with Izzy. Why did he do what he did is it just he just didn't know what to do did he just hit a mental 
block somewhere and couldn't overcome it? Was there something else happening? I don't know. I just want to know. It's not an excuse to me. It's it's a it's a, it's an explanation, and I want to hear it. Because after the fight, he didn't in the post fight uh, press conference. He didn't. He showed up, but he didn't speak a lot. He said, "Pause, pause, pause. I'm gonna t- say this and say this only. I'm only here to let you know that I'm. I want to be with my family and the people that care about me, and I'm out." Uh, I'm going to leave it this in the hands of a much smarter man than me. And that's Eugene Behrman. That's his head coach and cornerman. He's like, he'll explain or answer any questions. And of course, we didn't get an explanation. Um, he said it was for Izzy to tell. Even though he was there to be in Izzy's place, uh, he didn't give us much. All he said was, things didn't happen like they should have. And if we fight next week, I would love that. And we could make sure that he got his belt back and won. So... Basically saying nine times out of ten, Izzy beats Sean. This was just that one time. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out down the road. Uh, but I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop because I this this is I had a lot to say about that and and the fact that hate him or love him, Sean Strickland did a impressive and and had a fantastic performance against Israel Adesanya, who shit the bed basically. And I hate saying that, but it's true. Um, and he lost his title. So that's a big price to pay. He seemed okay afterwards. So I guess we'll wait and see when he talks about it. For now, Sean Strickland is the new middleweight champion of the world in the UFC. And it's crazy. So we'll wait and see if Izzy gets the immediate rematch. Dana White's pretty much said that that was the case, that that would happen. Uh, but I don't know. I think Izzy needs a break. I think he needs to take a step back and, and reanalyze. Uh, but if he gets that rematch, good for him. We'll have to wait and see. Let's move on to Alexander Volkov versus Taitu Ivasa. Another upsetting fucking fight, as you can see here. <laughs> uh, fuck, man. I was going for Ty so bad. I just, I wanted so badly for him to get this win. But Alexander Volkov is a fucking beast. He's a he's a gigantic man. He's an animal. And he handed Taito Ivasa his third straight loss. Which is usually not a good thing in the UFC. A lot of times when someone loses three times in a row, man. Fuck. You gotta like really get your shit together. And come back out in an impressive way. But Taito Ivasa is really well respected and loved by everybody. So... I'm hoping that that holds some weight with the UFC's decision and hopefully they give him a little bit more of a favorable matchup in his next fight. Um, get him back on track a little bit because he is, he has star potential. He's already halfway there. And I and I feel like if he puts some emphasis on his fundamentals and, and, and you know, works on those, uh, works on those problematic kind of weaker areas, I feel like he can be a hell of a better fighter um but in this fight he just didn't show up man uh he kicked the leg quite a bit he was getting volkov's legs uh a good beating but it wasn't enough he wound up dropping the fight uh shit what was the uh oh second round <laughs> i i couldn't remember what round in the second round he lost by submission by Ezekiel choke, which is 
kind of crazy because uh let's see who is it alexi olenic is known for his ezekiel chokes i think he's gotten like two or three in the ufc uh finished two or three times in the ufc with an ezekiel choke the bit of a different choke a little more rare you don't see it that often it's kind of like a like a rear naked choke but from the front i guess is like the easiest way i've heard it explained i don't know exactly how it works or how it's done but all i know is uh you get overpowered and you get pretty much uh suffocated by a big man on top of you choking the fuck out of you so yeah tied to ivasa third loss in a row at least he's not losing to no names he lost to cyril gone sergey pavlovich and now alexander volkov Maybe he needs to fight an American because all these uh, foreign guys are kicking his ass. <laughs> and it sucks because against Gon and Pavlovich, it was a KO lost. Um, and now he has a submission loss to Volkov. So Bam Bam needs to get his shit together. Uh, and he needs to work on things and come back stronger and better and start putting together a few wins. Try to get into contention and, you know, just move his way forward i i want to see him do well i like him a lot and everybody loves watching him do a shoey whether you think it's gross or not it's fucking entertaining and fun so we didn't get that this time so he needs to go work out his bugs and come back with a good win so we can see that shoey manel cop versus uh dos santos for uh felipe dos i was gonna say fernando <laughs> felipe dos santos uh, this was a pretty damn good fight. Uh, Dos Santos looked good, man, uh, for his UFC debut. A lot of people were high on this guy because he is coming from the uh, camp of Charles Oliveira, who is a uh, champ right now. And he's part of that camp. So everyone was had high hopes and, and high expectations. And he he showed out. I mean, he, he did well. Uh, him and uh, Manel Cop exchanged quite a bit of strikes it was a good it was a pretty good fight it wound up being a, a unanimous decision win for manel cop but i mean it was a fun fight to watch these guys are uh flyweights so it's always fast pace and uh and exciting you know it's like non-stop movement punches excitement and action so Unfortunately for Dos Santos, he lost his debut fight in the UFC, but he looked good while doing it. And Manel Cop gets the win. Winds up, uh, let's see, that is his fourth win in a row. So he's looking pretty good right now. Except for his post-fight speech where he decided to scream out a homophobic slur to Kaikar uh, France. And him being the second person in this night to say that same word, the F word. If you think about a homophobic slur that starts with an F, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it. I don't need to be disrespectful like that. But when it comes down to it, that was, he, he screamed it out and, and, and Daniel Cormier just grabbed the like pulled the mic away quickly and, and started walking out the cage because that was the second time that happened to him that night where he's standing there holding the mic and uh who was the first one it was uh uh charlie radke 
because everyone was booing him. He said he got treated like shit in Australia, and everyone was a fucking piece of shit to him. So <laughs> he screamed out that word as well. So yeah, I don't know what's up with these guys. It was a weird night. Like I said, there was something in the air. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe all these guys just partied too hard while they were in Australia or something. Not really. I'm just kidding. But something was happening and uh, everyone was on one. It was weird. Moving on to the big guys. The fucking heavyweight division. Justin Taffa. Always exciting against Austin Lane. This was a rematch because of Austin Lane poking Taffa in the eye last time. Accidentally, but it was a nasty poke. And they had to call the fight because Taffa couldn't see. His eye was swollen shut and he had a nasty cut across his eye. So he was coming out with uh, a vengeance like he always does. Big heavyweights with heavy hands. You know, Austin Lane is a former NFL football player. And my apologies, I, I guess I kept saying the Rams... He's actually was on the Jags, on the Jaguars. So that's who his uh, team was. I guess he was, I don't know. I've heard everything from three years to eight years in the NFL. Regardless, he multi multiple years in the NFL as a, as a professional NFL football player. So you got to respect that. He's a great athlete. But uh, he's got a ways to go when it comes to MMA. Uh, getting knocked out uh, quite a bit. So he needs to work on that defense. Um, but either way, Justin Toffa with the win and he threw some crazy shotgun. <laughs> Frankie, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he said it rhymes with bag, dag and rag. He's not wrong, <laughs> but, uh, Justin Toffa came with those shotgun arms of his, uh, Dude, it looked like he was trying to murder Austin Lane on the ground because he dropped him and everyone thought the ref was going to hop in and <laughs> everyone thought he was going to hop in and stop that fight. And Justin Toffa was like, well, I guess if you're not going to stop the fight, I'm going to let him go. And he did. And he fucking damn near murdered Austin Lane on the ground. It was crazy. Everyone was at my house was like, holy fuck. Because, yeah, those are heavy, heavy punches on the ground. With your head nowhere to go but to nowhere to go but to uh, be pinned against that mat while you're getting this gigantic man just raining punches down on you, craziness. Justin Toffa's the man though. He's dope. I like him. It's fun to watch him fight because when he gets that knockout, it's always exciting as fuck. So then we got uh, Tyson Pedro. So all these guys that are from like the Australia Australia area, they, they went three and three. You know, we had a, a couple guys with the losses, um, Izzy and uh, and Ty, and who else? Can't remember who the third one was, but uh, Tyson Pedro went out there and fucking wrecked shit too. He, he's an impressive fighter. And uh, Turkali, the pleasure man, was was not feeling the pleasure this night because he got fucking rocked. And Tyson Pedro is just like Justin Taffa. You get you go down to the ground and that fight's not stopped. He's gonna land everything on you and with as much power behind it as possible. And he definitely didn't hold back against Turkali. Uh, let's see, he got him in the. 
for it shit it was a first round ko by punches and his celebration was fucking dope i i wish i could just play the whole thing right here because it was badass he just did this crazy thing with looking like he had a sword in his hand the movements put it away and and did a bow and man it was just bad it was a badass sequence of of things that he did as a celebration almost up there with uh with izzy's uh arrow celebration that he did against uh Pereira. so right up there with it man those are entertaining and it was so well timed it looks so natural like these guys don't fucking sit there and practice this i don't think at least from what i've heard they don't practice these things they just kind of think them up and then execute and it's 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 a damn good thing when they get it done and they get it done correctly so i was entertained i had i i loved it i was just like holy fuck i'd watch this guy fight every time if he does shit like that <laughs> but uh yeah so tyson pedro getting that big win with the great celebration and then we had carlos olberg in the uh in the prelims representing against Dawoon Jung. He gets that third third round uh win by submission, rear naked choke. He looked pretty impressive throughout the fight as well. Uh Dawoon Jung just didn't look like he knew what to do with Olberg and basically got knocked down and Olberg jumped on him, sunk in that sub, got that rear naked choke with the submission win to end off the night. Or I'm sorry, to end off this round of things for me. Because that was in the prelim. So that obviously wasn't the end of the night. That's just me ending this portion of uh, the UFC 293 recap. So let's move into combat sports news. We got a little bit of a carryover from UFC 293. I, I couldn't I couldn't help but laugh at, uh, at Dana's face in this picture if you're watching. <laughs> but uh yeah eljo gets no talk of rematch but dana's offering a rematch to an izzy who got outclassed by they say d sean because there's this funny skit of sean strickland and with his buddy uh chris curtis and he's acting like a black dude he's got a do-rag on a bottle of hennessy and a blunt in his ear and he's like trying to talk like a black dude i don't know again he does a lot of offensive shit but that was funny um <laughs> So so people called him Deshaun Strickland. So anyway, that's what they're saying here. Uh, Dana's offering a rematch to Izzy, who got outclassed by Deshaun or Sean Strickland. MMA is becoming WWE with these decisions. Well, it's not far off because uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things I'll be covering here in just a second is the merger of WWE and the UFC under the same banner. We'll get to that in just a second. But... Everyone's up in arms about this because obviously Aljamain Sterling is asking for a rematch because he got dropped and, and taken out by Sean Strickland in the second round. And he thinks he deserves a rematch because of how long his title reign was and how many big opponent, a big name opponents that he beat, including old school guys, you know, like Dominic Cruz and shit like, did he, did he fight Dominic? Shit, maybe I'm thinking wrong. Anyway, he beat people like Henry Cejudo, who's a fucking double champ, and came back from retirement, and he, he beat him impressively. You know, he's done all this stuff, and so he feels like he deserves an immediate rematch. So, but Dana's not high on 
Aljamain because of him and the Marab bullshit where they're friends and they don't want to fight each other. Dana's pissed about that. So, yeah, he said, I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't think he's going to get an immediate rematch. But right away in the post-fight press conference of 293, he's like, yeah, he deserves a rematch, even though he got outclassed for five rounds. Maybe won one of those five and looked really, really bad. Looked really bad in this fight. And, and Dana says, oh, yeah, sure. We'll give him a re immediate rematch. It's strange. Things change all the time. Don't know if that's going to happen. Either way, people are pissed about it. So another carryover from 293. <laughs> this was hilarious. Like I was talking about earlier, the Drake curse. Uh, American Top Team, <laughs> their Twitter page as a team said dear mr drake please don't bet on any of our fighter fighters respectfully american top team because pretty much anytime he puts it out on social media that he's betting a bunch of money on a fighter they fucking lose so i i don't know you could probably count on one hand it if even that how many times he's won a bet that he's made on somebody that he put out on social media saying i bet a like $928 on, I mean, $928,000 on. He always does some crazy big bet. Of course, he's probably sponsored by whoever he's making his bets with, and I'm sure they're giving him most of that money to bet with. Uh, not that he needs it, but to promote the thing, I'm sure he's not putting up his own money. I highly doubt it, but who knows? Maybe, and if he is, he needs to stop because he's losing his money real fast. <laughs> he sucks at betting, and he always bets on the wrong, on the person that should win and then they don't because he bet on them so drake sit down and just write some more music because you're good at that stop betting on ufc just watch it like the rest of us and don't worry about making bets but as i was saying ufc and wwe we i talked about this before endeavor bought wwe so now they're under the same banner uh, they they made up this whole TKO group hold, holdings. So, one thing I will say about this picture is that it's kind of cool. They got the two belts next to each other, oversized. Obviously, those guys, you know, that's Triple H in the middle. If you know anything about wrestling, WWE, but uh, that's Triple H in the middle. He's not a small guy, so you know how big those fucking belts were that are sitting out there. But yeah, they had this whole ribbon cutting ceremony or some bullshit. I don't really know what it was. Just to finalize and confirm that basically Endeavor's acquisition of the WWE is official now since Tuesday. The deal creates a new company known as TKO Group Holdings, which will bring together the UFC and the WWE, but not in the way that you think. They're just basically being owned by the same parent company uh under the same banner so it's just like one person with a lot of money buys up both of these entities and and puts them under one name and says now this can be traded in the this can be traded on, on in in the stocks and and on nasdaq and all that bullshit i don't know whatever the deal is valued at 21 $1.4 billion with the UFC valued at 12.1 billion and the WWE at 9.3 billion. Now, how many times have you heard a WWE wrestler complain about their pay? 
I mean, they have a grueling fucking schedule. But that company is worth less than the than the UFC. And all you hear about are UFC fighters complaining about the pay. Is that because they're crybabies? Or is that because they're grossly underpaid? It's the latter. And I can guarantee that. Um, from a public-facing standpoint, not much will change with the company. The UFC and WWE will be run as separate companies. Nick Khan, who joined McMahon in doing the deal from the WWE side, will run the WWE as its president. White will continue to run the UFC through, though he gets a new title as the company's chief executive officer. So not only is Dana White the president of the UFC, he's now the CEO as well. Ari Emanuel will be the CEO of TKO Group Holdings with McMahon as the executive chairman. Mark Shapiro will be the president and chief operating officer of TKO. So basically, now they're going to work as one entity to get things like broadcasting deals and stuff like that. Uh, So you're probably going to wind up seeing the WWE and the UFC on the same network at some point in time. And maybe if there's crossover, legit crossovers like, you know, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, they both crossed over both ways, you know, they've both done wrestling, they've both done uh, MMA, those kinds of deals and, and happenings uh, of sorts, when it's reasonable, is going to happen and probably be a bit easier to work out those contracts. But when it comes down to, oh, I'm going to, uh, the, the UFC is going to be scripted. I mean, they already say that about the NFL. They already say that about the MLB. They already say that about everything. So, and they kind of say it about the UFC already too. Those fucking talks are gonna get worse because now the idiots that don't want to, don't care to understand what the hell's happening here, are just gonna be like, ah, the UFC scripted and that was that was all fixed and just like the WWE, it's fucking fake. And I'm just gonna say, get in the cage and find out if it's fake, bitch. Same with the with wrestling, it is fake. It's scripted. We all know this, but those guys are still athletes. They get hurt like a motherfucker, and they live in a world of pain through their schedule, the kind of schedule they have to keep, and the training that they do. It's year-round. It's all the time, and it's pretty grueling. So I do respect them in that aspect. I don't watch wrestling. I, I know some wrestlers from back in the day, and I've heard of some of them these days, but I don't follow that shit. I watch MMA. I watch the UFC. But... I had to touch on this because it is a big thing in the in the news, and I actually kind of downplayed it and no sold it early, uh, earlier this week when I was asked about it by the guys on the Rumble podcast. Um, Tommy was asking me about it, and I was like, I don't really give a shit. It, it is what it is. We already knew that this was happening. This just made it official. So, whatever. I figured I'd talk about it a little bit because it is kind of a big deal. And yeah, there we go. I did it. <laughs> So let's move on to some bare knuckle MMA. We got Game Bread, bare knuckle MMA, which is Jorge Masvidal's organization. Um, we we had Junior Dos Santos versus Fabricio Verdum in a bare knuckle fighting championship here. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Game Bread, bare knuckle MMA. I'm so used to BKFC. Yeah, this was uh, this was a little crazy. Because it's bare knuckle, right? So you you mix MMA. I mean, we've seen bare knuckle boxing. You know what happens there. If you watch this show or paid attention to any of it, BKFC. I've I've gone over it a bunch. 
There's a lot of cuts and a lot of blood. And this had that too. <laughs> Fabricio Verdum throwing kicks. Everything you're used to with these two guys, except there's a lot more damage because of the bare knuckles. And uh, Junior Dos Santos looked ripped. And Verdum looked a lot better than he did last time we saw him too. So this was uh, this was interesting to say the least. But, um, you know, nothing too crazy coming out of it. Just Junior Dos Santos looking very good uh, again in MMA like he did in the past. He looked ripped. He was landing a lot of punches. It was a split decision win for Junior Dos Santos, but he looked like he was having all kinds of fun in there. I mean, he was smiling almost every time he landed shit. Like, he was just like, hell yeah, this is fucking fun. <laughs> so, it was it was pretty entertaining to watch when it while it was on. And it was free on YouTube, so I got to watch it. Uh, I didn't have to pay anything extra. All I did was watch this last... I, I caught a little bit here and there, some of the lower, lower card f uh, fights. But, for the most part, I just watched the main fight here. Uh, Verdum got a lot of damage, man. He got fucking beat. So you wouldn't think that it was a split decision when you would think that Dos Santos just fully dominated and got the unanimous decision, but it was a split decision. Verdum got beat the fuck up. Both his eyes were swollen to shit. You can see that big cut over that left eye uh, and swelling over the right. Holy shit, dude. Bare knuckle is no fucking joke. Uh, that's a big, big gash on that eyelid. And you know that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and that definitely took some stitches. So, fuck, man. Uh, bare knuckle is crazy. But it's, um, it's entertaining, too. So, moving on to Dana White's Contender Series. Happened on Tuesday. Another pretty interesting and exciting night of fights. Uh, Dana White's Contender Series has been pretty interesting this season. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just every time I hear about it, it's like all five fighters got a contract. All five fighters got a contract. This was a crazy night of fights. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong. I, I watched these fights. Uh, maybe not second for second, but I definitely definitely went back and watched them all. I didn't get to watch them, you know, live because I just had other shit going on. But I heard so much about them. I was like, I got to go back and watch. So I did. And it was, it was pretty damn good. They were not lying. So you had, let's see, I, I, let's see, I forgot the damn names. Uh, give me one second. Okay, so we had, uh, John Matsumoto versus Casey Tanner. Julia Palatri versus Patricia Al Alujas. Of course, there's got to be hard names in there. Stephen Wynn versus AJ Cunningham. Uh, Janata Denise versus Eduardo uh, Neves. And then James Yontop versus Malik Lewis. So... Yeah, all five fights were exciting. All five fights were fun to watch. And all five winners got a contract. So that's pretty badass. And I heard that two of the losers actually got their win bonus as well. Which is 
unusual. Usually, especially with fights like this, they just get their show money. But they, I guess they do it the same way. Show and win money. Two of the fighters got their win bonus. I'm not exactly sure which ones. But Matsuyama with his win over... Uh, shit, I already forgot. Uh, Casey Tanner. He got a unanimous decision win. And, uh, yeah. A lot of good strikes. A lot of action. Uh, Dana White was on his feet after this fight was over. There was just a lot of action, pretty much. Everybody was throwing everything. And there was really no no big, like, drops in action throughout most of these fights. And Matsuyama got this win by unanimous decision. Then we move to the females. Uh, Pulastri versus Alujas. And this was big exchanges back and forth. It was like... Every, for every punch one through the other one through as well constant contact constant just landing of punches pretty much and it was exciting too Velocity comes out with that win though uh she got a rear naked choke at the at, at the end of the second round and um it was pretty interesting how she got her i mean she basically got her to, to the ground and she just worked that back uh alujas had no answer for that ground game and she finally got to the point where she got the hooks in, softened her up with a bunch of punches, and then sunk in the choke and got the submission in the second round. So that was an exciting fight as well. Uh, Steven Wynn versus uh, AJ Cunningham. This was a TKO finish as well in the second round. And dude, these guys were throwing fucking bombs. Like, if, if you can't tell by this picture, <laughs> I, I got more. Uh, actually, no, I don't. That's actually the be the best picture I saw, and I put that. That was the only one I put in. Wen got the win, though. But like I said, these guys were throwing bombs. You can't really tell by Wen's face. He was getting pieced up by this uppercut that uh that Cunningham kept throwing, and then when but but I guess Wen just was too much and started dominating with all of his barrage of punches. It was like there was no ground game even existing in this fight. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Cunningham is a fucking animal, though, man. That guy is a savage. He fucking took a lot of damage. This was stopped on on the feet. Like, the, the ref had to just say, fuck, it's over. Like, you're done. You can't even take any more punches. So, it was a fun fight to watch, for sure. Then we had, uh, De uh Denise with the win over uh, Nevis. And these were some big boys fighting here. 315 into the first round. Denise gets the KO. I mean, I saw him land a bunch of punches that were a lot heavier than the one he landed to get the finish. But something about that last punch took out Nevis. He couldn't get up. He was done. And Denise gets the win and the contract. As I said before, everyone in this fight did. And then we had... Which looks like Lion Top, but it's actually Yon Top. It's L-L-O-N-T-O-P. Uh, beats Malik Lewis by unanimous decision. Um, another fun fight went the distance, but these guys were throwing all the way through. Definitely uh, the least amount of boring time throughout the fight. Sometimes you get these fights and these guys are wanting to just get a win. So they're being careful and being too calculated. Not this, not this night. Everybody was out there to fucking win and to win by 
knockout and everyone was trying very hard to do that beyond top with the win and the contract let's hope that contender series continues on this path of everyone getting contracts so that we get all this new talent in the ufc because if they fight like this when they get to the big show we're gonna have some fun fighters on our hands so that'll be interesting and fun to see let's get to this Noche UFC. As you can tell, with the Mexican Independence Day and, and the theme of the Mexican fighters, the whole Noche UFC, I don't know. To me, I'm Mexican. I, I, I'm not very fluent in Spanish, but, you know, I, I, I was... My parents spoke Spanish to me when I was a kid. It was Spanglish, but, you know, they would speak Spanish to me when I was a kid, my relatives and stuff. So knowing what I know, it's just weird that it's called Noche UFC. <laughs> It's like, the fuck, you couldn't find something better? But, uh, I don't know, whatever. I guess it works. Their, gra their, their graphics and, uh, and, and artwork and stuff for this, for this, uh, fight is pretty dope, as you can see by the poster. And, I mean, my little header there, too. I made that from artwork that they had. Uh, so I just kind of put it all together. Because I thought it was pretty dope, I mean... Kind of like an Mexican-like Aztec-type, you know, theme, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I always try to theme out my lights. And as you can see, red, white, and green. Uh, and, and then the background. I always try to theme stuff out a little bit to go with whatever's happening. Sometimes it's easier than others, like this time. Pretty easy to find Mexican-style stuff. So, <laughs> Uh, if you didn't notice, that's what I did, and that's what I do as much as I can, just to try to keep it along the themes. But uh, so yeah, this one's interesting. No Che UFC, um, mostly uh, what do you call it? Uh, Mexican fighters on the card, and I mean we have a title fight as well: Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko, part two, because. The first one was Alexa Grasso shocking the world like Sean Strickland just did uh, and beating wh who everyone considered the unbeatable Valentina Shevchenko. So, uh, let's see. Damn it. Of course. Uh, but yeah, th this is the rematch. Automatic, or I'm sorry. Immediate rematch for uh, Valentina Shevchenko. And we're going to see if Alexa Grasso was just a fluke with that first win. Or if she can hang on to that belt and show and prove that what a lot of people are saying right now. Which is Valentina's on her way out. She's lost a step. You know, she had a couple questionable fights uh, before she got to Grasso. And a lot of people are saying that she's just basically deteriorating a little by little and that she's showing it because you know she's gotten into a lot of really close fights that she almost lost and then eventually lost to Grasso by uh choke rear naked choke actually it was kind of more like a uh more like a fucking I, I don't even know I don't even know I think they called it a rear naked choke I'm going to have to look at that real quick because I want to know. No face crank. 
That's what I was trying to. I was trying to think it was face something. Face crank, if you remember when when Grasso let Valentina go, it looked like she had a crazy sunburn from like here up because it was like white and discolored down here from how tight Grasso had that that face crank in and and she was cinching down on it and squeezing basically taking all the blood out of her like chin area so it was pretty impressive and Grasso becomes the first female Mexican born champion in the UFC making history I don't know if you've seen the belt I forgot to even put a picture up it's just whatever they did it for Yair Rodriguez too um when he won that interim belt they made the uh they did like the artistic series of the belt and it looks all kinds of crazy colorful wild colors on the belt they did a custom one for him they did the same thing for Grasso so it'll uh it's pretty interesting it's pretty cool that they're doing different things with the belt and stuff like that some people don't like it it is what it is they they, they got to change things up here and there so anyway let's uh let's see on the lower portion of this card not a whole lot going on uh dominic ray's brother alex reyes is fighting charlie campbell uh in a lightweight fight oh uh, we got the the hottie uh tracy cortez fighting jasmine jazdavicius so tracy cortez go check out her instagram i promise you you won't be disappointed mexican chick good looking she's a beast uh, and she is undefeated in the UFC. She's 10-1 overall. She only has one loss, which was her debut fight in Invicta. But ever since then, she's been on a 10-fight winning streak. And she is 1-2-3-4-0 four, four in the UFC. And she has a win. She came into the UFC on Dana White's Contender Series in 2019 with a win there but she also has a win over Aaron Blanchfield who is a, a highly contested con, uh, content or highly touted contender right now in the UFC she beat her in Invicta back in 2019 so if Aaron Blanchfield gets a title shot soon and wins the belt it might be a good thing for uh Tracy Cortez because you know Aaron Blanchfield's like hey wait a minute she beat me I want that back that's Aaron Blanchfield's only loss is to Tracy Cortez, which is pretty crazy. So Tracy looks pretty good right now when it comes down to that record. But uh, yeah, that's probably the most interesting fight for me in the undercard. Uh, I guess you got Roman Copylaw versus Josh Framed. That should be a decent fight. Oh, uh, okay. Lupi Go Lupita Godinez or Lupi Godinez versus Elise Reed. Lupi Godinez is 10 and 3. Um, she's a decent fighter to watch. But then we get to the main card. Fernando Padilla versus Kyle Nelson in a featherweight bout. Padilla is 15 and 4. Uh he's our Mexican fighter of this fight. <laughs> 15 and 4 and he is this is this will be a second fight in the UFC. His first fight was pretty impressive against Julian Arosa back in April of this year. Got that TKO win in the first round. He's on a three fight winning streak. Um his last loss being to Spike Carlisle. 
who I believe is a Bellator fighter right now. I think. Uh, yeah, Bellator and Ryzen. Anyway, uh, Fernando Padilla is fighting Kyle Nelson, who is seven and oh, I'm sorry, looking at the wrong person. Fourteen and fourteen, five and one, Canadian fighter. He's coming off a win. Uh, let's see, he's got one draw, one win, and one two. Oh, I'm sorry, fuck. I got this all wrong. He's got four losses in the UFC, one draw, and two wins. That's a weird, weird record. But he's fighting Fernando Padilla uh, to kick off the main card for Noche UFC. Next fight is uh, Daniel Zell Zellhuber versus Christos Gallegos. I, fuck man these guys got some weird names zell huber what the fuck kind of name is that and why does this dude look like the mexican fighter and he fucking is zell huber his nickname is golden boy i guess i could kind of see why he kind of has that like uh fuck i can't even think of the name god damn it <laughs> golden boy what the fuck is this oscar de la hoya he's kind of got that look to him um, but yeah, he's coming off a win over Lando Venata, uh, which was in April of this year. That was his second UFC fight. So he's one and one in the UFC. He's a Dana White Contender Series alum as well versus Christos Gallegos. I think is how you say that. Gallegos. Yeah. 20 and 10 coming off a win from back in April as well. He's got a few fights in the UFC. Holy shit. He's been fighting in the UFC since 2018. And I can't say that I really know who he is. So that's a damn shame. But uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you get into the weeds with some of these cards. Let's move on to somebody we do know who is Raul Rosas Jr., and even though he's only been in the UFC for a short period of time, he made a big splash in the uh, Dana White's Contender Series, uh, being that he fought when he was like 17 years old. Now he's 18. He's 7-1 overall. He suffered his first office loss in the UFC uh, in his second fight in the UFC. So he's 1-1 in the official UFC fights. Uh, he lost to Christian Rodriguez in that last fight. It was a unanimous decision. He didn't look very good in that fight. So I'm hoping that he turns it around here and shows out during this Mexican-themed card. Uh, and he's fighting... Well, first off, if you remember from the Contender Series, he did this crazy shit where he was like doing some jumping kicks and all kinds of shit like that. And then he almost sunk in this crazy sub he's rolling this dude up like a pretzel but uh you know he did it that was wound up being a uh that wound up being a unanimous decision win for him but he was an exciting fight and he looked damn good for being 17 years old so he's looking for his second win in the ufc against terrence mitchell who i couldn't find a whole lot on and 
This is going to only be his second fight in the UFC. He's got one loss in the UFC, so he's 0-1. Overall, though, he's 14-3 in MMA. He's 33 years old, so, I mean, you've got the, the young and fighting the older guy. He look he doesn't look like he's 33, but he is. Uh, 5'10", so he's way taller than uh, Rosa's. So, yeah, we'll see how this fight goes down because Bro Rosas is out there to show uh, that he belongs being as young as he is. He's got a long ways ahead of him, but it could be a decent fight. Moving on to the co Is it the co-main? Yes, it is. It's right there in front of me. <laughs> this fight I'm looking forward to. Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Maddalena. Jack Della is somebody that a lot of people have been talking about. Obviously made a splash in the UFC. Uh, he's undefeated so far in the UFC, coming from Dana White's Contender Series as well. He is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 0 in the UFC. Uh, Basil Hafez was his last opponent. He's beat Randy Brown, Danny Roberts. Uh, yeah, so... He's 15 and 2 overall, but he's fighting Kevin Holland, who's a vet in the UFC, 25 and 9. Uh, he's on a two-fight winning streak right now. Last fight being against Michael Chiesa, and then before that, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Both finishes KO and a submission. Um, so yeah, he's always in in a great, exciting fight because whether he's winning or losing, it's a finish. And, you know, he's a character, too. If you don't know Kevin Holland, you're going to find out why he's exciting to watch and entertaining as well. He's always talking in the cage. Whether he's talking to Dana White, whether he's talking to the commentators, or he's talking to his opponent, he's always saying something when he's in the cage. It's kind of hilarious. Um, sometimes people get annoyed by him, and I understand that. But he's a great fighter, a great striker, but he has submissions as well. Uh, he got this win against Michael Chiesa. That was his last fight by Bravo Choke. I'm not exactly sure what that is. I remember hearing a little bit of a rundown of it, but yeah. And like I said, he's hilarious. Giving the two thumbs up here while he's in a rear naked by a Brazilian cowboy, I think. Yep, Oliveira. It's pretty funny. He's entertaining, as I said. So, this should be a good one because JDM, Jack Della Maddalena, is a uh, highly touted up-and-comer. Everybody's high on this guy. And a lot of people want to fight him. Including Joaquin Buckley, who I saw at the UFC Expo. Um, and was out there just campaigning for this fight. But, uh, yeah. He's coming off a win... From July, so he hasn't fought since then. And the reason why Joaquin Buckley was trying to get that fight with him uh, was before this because his fight got canceled. His opponent, uh, JDM's opponent, dropped out and stuff. So Buckley was trying to get that fight. But he's got a bunch of uh, finishes on his record. All of his UFC wins are by finish, except for the last one against Basil Hafez. That was a split decision win. Otherwise, everything's a finish. So he's exciting. As you can see in this picture, 
big punches, knees, kicks. He's got everything. He's exciting. A lot of people like him. And I feel like he has... He's going to have a good career ahead of him, but Kevin Holland is not a pushover. He's going to put up a great fight, and this should be this should be an entertaining one, and definitely tune in for this one. Let's get to this uh, finish up on this main event, the Flyweight Championship bout against Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. This is part two, the rematch, because back in... When was it? March of this year, Valentina Shevchenko got upset by Alexa Grasso in that Jones versus Gone fight card, UFC 285. And yeah, it was unbelievable. Everybody was tripping because nobody thought that Valentina was going to get submitted, much less finished at all by anybody. And Alexa Grasso was a big underdog, but she stepped up and got that win. She is on a one, two, three, four, five fight win streak. Last one being against Valentina to get that title. Uh, and her last loss was to a former champ as well, Carla Esparza. But she's she has a loss to Tatiana Suarez as well, which that's interesting. If Tatiana Suarez makes her way up to the title fight and Grasso is still the winner, she's got a good chance. So... But Grasso keeps uh, getting better and better. And she looks better and better every time she gets out there. So She hasn't lost since 2019. And yeah, she looked really good against uh, Valentina last time. As you can see here, big punches landed on Valentina, which is not something you normally see. Um... I mean, again, just landing on the chin. She's got really, really good boxing. And she I know she says she wants to showcase that in this fight. Because Valentina chose to stand and and on and bang with her and then uh, or chose not to after a little bit and took her to the ground and then Grasso is damn good on the ground too. So in the end, she's got a really good striking, really good grappling, and good submissions. So, this is what happened in the last fight. She got that face crank, which was really just uh, the chin being trapped in that rear naked choke. But it was nasty, and Valentina had no choice but to tap, and she did, and lost her belt. But she's coming back with a vengeance, trying to get her belt back. Um, Before that loss to Grosso, she was on... The undefeated streak of a lifetime. Jesus Christ. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fight win streak spanning from 2018. Her last loss was to Amanda Nunes. Split decision in September of 2017. She's beaten people like Amanda Nunes, or I'm sorry, uh, Holly Holm, Juliana Pena. You want to be in Jacek, Jessica I, Liz Carmouche, Caitlin Chikagian, Jessica Andrade, Lauren Murphy, Talia Santos. Crazy. But that fight against Talia Santos was one of the ones I was talking about where it was a split decision win. And a lot of people thought Santos won that fight. So she kind of 
you know, she was impressive against uh, Lauren Murphy, but she did go all the way to the fourth round and she got the TKO win against Lauren. But then against Talia Santos, man, she did not look like herself. Santos gave her a hell of a fight and uh, it showed in the end with that split decision win. And then she came back and lost to Grasso in March of this year. So now she's looking to retain, regain that belt and show that Grasso was just a fluke. But I don't know, man. This is those times when things start happening. As soon as those champs lose that belt after a long title reign, they get the immediate rematch. And most of the time they lose. Uh, a lot of times, like Izzy was, you know, Izzy was kind of a one-off. He comes back after getting knocked out after a long title reign and he regains his belt but uh and then right away loses it again so he doesn't even defend it it's crazy man it's crazy how this game works when when you're a dominant champion for that long a lot of times that's what happens uh once it goes away it doesn't come back as easy so obviously she's got good striking and uh a decent ground game but alexa grasso is out to prove something on this night and we'll see if she lets shevchenko get the best of her in any way shape or form or if she comes out more dominant than she did in the last fight who knows it's mma that's why it's crazy and it should and it's always interesting and fun so that's about it that wraps it up for the recaps the previews all the news all of that Thanks to Frankie for joining in on the live chat. Anytime you guys are watching this or if you're listening to it back later, just remember next time I'm live, jump in the chat if you want to join in on any of the topics I'm talking about. Questions or comments are always welcome. Keep it nice. <laughs> but uh, either way, I usually interact as much as I can with the chat whenever anybody's in there. But if you're just listening or watching this later, I appreciate the support regardless. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to make sure that you listen if you don't want to watch or if you can't watch. Listen on any of the platforms that you get your podcast. Uh, on Spotify, you can watch or listen or both. Um, but you can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm everywhere. So check it out. Don't forget to follow my uh, social media that's been going on down there. Going around podcasts everywhere except for X. It's going around pod like subscribe hit that notification bell don't forget to join me next week again on thursday 7 p.m arizona time adjust how you need to for that same time same place always right here on youtube live or watch it back later i don't care i just appreciate the support and that's it that's a wrap we'll see you guys next week enjoy the fights and uh yeah have a good weekend. Take it easy. I'm out. Peace.